0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion, they roll right, Bowers throws, pass, It's not the Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand, taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr.
1: Really hard to believe that it's week four already of the regular season, and it's still 90-plus degrees outside.
2: It's not comfortable. It's 11 million degrees out. You've got conference play beginning. The games start carrying a little more importance, and yet it's 1,120 degrees out.
1: It is, it is quite warm. Um, you know, it's for as miserable it is during the week, I... For every passing Saturday, I'm I'm cool with the weather because that's just one less week that I have to wear a winter coat, <laughs> um, layer up and have to worry about the elements. And I can wear shorts, which is yeah. a good thing.
2: Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. So you want it hot as an oven on Saturday, but Monday through Friday, you want a few degrees knocked sure. off. Sure, and I, and I'm, I'm okay if it's hot in Champagne because the time kickoff
1: comes, it's going to cool down.
2: It'll be pretty nice by the time the the game gets started. Yeah, we, I mean, we had one real, well, two real weather games last year, right? Minnesota, Michigan State, or not Michigan State, but uh, Minnesota, Michigan State, Michigan State was, State was the snow Iowa. game.
1: Iowa rain in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And it should have been worse. The forecast was terrible for Iowa last year. Like they were calling for rain like midway through the first, mm-hmm. and, it, and it held off for most of the game, which I appreciated. Yes. Um. But yeah. So not not too shabby. Not too shabby. <coughs> um. Well, we got a lot coming your way in the next three hours, two hours of us, one very important hour sandwiched in between. I don't know if you heard, but there's a relatively. Large volleyball match happening tomorrow that the I'd, Huskers are involved in.
2: I'd heard rumors, but I hadn't been able to confirm.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to confirm to you right now uh, that John Cook will be in studio from 7 to 8 o'clock. The sartor in
2: nebraska volleyball show.
1: He's going to be talking about favorite bands, uh, Halloween candies, all the important Hobbies. stuff this week. Yeah.
2: Favorite pastimes in June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: fishing in Montana would be on that list but uh no in all seriousness Nebraska and Stanford tomorrow th- this match i mean it- it's kind of dominating this market right now like yeah. it's been a it- Nebraska always plays a tough schedule and they always play teams ranked in the top 5 but play rematch for the national championship how that thing finished the little post game situation yeah with, the uh, marker board right? yes yeah marker board uh gate yes this this is a match that people here even if you're not a volleyball fan have been paying attention to for a long time
2: yeah i mean anytime you get the rematch of the national championship game the very next year especially in the home building of the team that lost where both teams return significant portions of the rosters that played in that game. It, it's going to draw some eyes, and, and this one definitely has everyone's attention, especially as good as both of these teams are. And with Nebraska being elevated to the number one spot in the national polls, that just adds some juice because right now Nebraska has a leg up on Stanford, and some of that is Stanford's played a really tough schedule to this point, not to say that Nebraska hasn't challenged themselves, but Stanford has had a couple of challenging, not really challenging non-conference games. So the, the fact that Stanford's coming in here, coming off a loss, trying to find where they are and trying to get themselves back going and Nebraska gets a chance to measure themselves against the team that ended their year unhappily it's it's going to draw some eyes and we get to figure out how good this Husker volleyball team really is yeah
1: can't wait for that so between seven and eight o'clock tonight your chance to talk with the uh, the head coach who will be in studio with John Baylor. Voice of Husker Volleyball from 7 to 8 o'clock. Coming up here this hour, we'll have a practice report. You were over at practice earlier today, defense day, as Tuesdays always are. We'll hear from Eric Shenander, Nebraska defensive coordinator, on uh, what he liked about last week and getting ready for this week with the conference opener against Illinois. In The third and final hour of the show, Top Ten Tuesday. There's a lot of bad things happening with starting quarterbacks around the National Football League Uh, right now started with Andrew Luck retiring then Drew Brees has the ligament issue on his thumb Eli Manning has been benched Ben Roethlisberger is out for the year with elbow surgery so this inspired us to conjure up the top 10 backup quarterback performances not just you, you can do a game if you want or you can stretch it out to a season just in general Top 10 backup quarterback performances. This is going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, uh, th- there are a few good stories out there. And you look back on Husker history, of course, you think of Brooke Baringer settling Nebraska through the 1994 season and winning the Big 8 championship, going undefeated in the Big 8, and then Tom Osborne flipping back to Tommy Frazier. But we've seen that where the backup quarterback has come in and, and kept a season on the track's that ultimately ended up in a championship, so there'll be a few of those on my list, I believe.
1: Yes, I, I would imagine so. Uh, also, you had a you had a nice opportunity to sit down with the Nebraska middle linebacker Colin Miller yesterday, so we'll play that back here in the third and final hour, and also. Due to Husker Volleyball, no Big Red replay contest tomorrow. Instead, we've moved it to tonight, but later on in the show in the 8 o'clock hour. So we've got a lot to get to over the next three hours. Of course, you're going to be part of the show. Feel free to dial us up, 866-HUSKER-1, the number, 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Uh, well, Nate, your first time to address the people uh, following Nebraska's win over Northern Illinois on Saturday night. Pretty solid game all the way around for the Big Red. couple of hiccups on special teams, but for the most part, that's the feeling we should have leaving Memorial Stadium more often. Your takeaway from what you saw on Saturday
2: night. Other than field goal kicking, it felt like a very complete effort by Nebraska. You know, the defense has been really good this year. Uh, You you think about it, they've played 12 quarters. I think 11 of them have been pretty good, and the the bad quarter, I think, is explainable by fatigue and, and all the snaps they had to play against Colorado in the second half. The offense looked fluid, and You know, I banged on the idea that Nebraska needed to involve wide receivers other than Wandale Robinson and J.D. Spielman. And what do you know? Kunavai Noah has a touchdown catch, and Mike Williams gets involved uh, with a a grab, and even Javon McQuitty gets a, a catch in the game. And so I think Nebraska did a good job of involving the secondary weapons in their offense. Diedrich Mills had over 100 yards, and some of that was by necessity with Maurice Washington being hurt, and some of that was just guys stepping up, guys taking advantage of opportunities. So that was maybe the thing that excited me the most uh, from what I saw on Saturday was the fact that Nebraska was able to get Kona Noah some touches. They were able to involve Mike Williams they were able to involve Stoll and Raftall. so I I feel like they did a better job of diversifying the weapons that they used offensively and this offense is that it's most dangerous when they're uh, when a defense has to worry about more guys
1: I I would agree with that completely Uh, and I did say on the broadcast that I feel like it's an it's a bit of an anomaly that that hasn't been as involved as maybe he seemed in the third game uh, with Northern Illinois. I mean, he, he's out there a lot. He's running the good routes. He, uh, he's had the ball thrown to him a few times and just hasn't worked out to where he's made receptions, but I feel like this offense is going to cater itself to where he's going to get touches and he's going to get balls thrown his way. And it was nice to see him get involved early and, and score that big touchdown right before the half there for Nebraska. So all in all, pretty solid performance. And uh, Husker fans should be pretty happy with uh, for the most part with what they saw on Saturday night. Every practice,
3: we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself.
2: And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it.
0: It's time for a Husker football
1: practice report on Sports Nightly.
2: Presented by JTEC Construction with JTech Construction. It's simple when it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call. a free, no obligation assessment. We were talking defense today. The Huskers actually worked out in the stadium instead of on the gas grass and in the Hawks Center, so they were actually at Memorial Stadium today, and Eric Chenander faced the assembled media after practice, and Husker Blackshirts playing well did not allow an offensive touchdown in the game on Saturday against Northern Illinois. Eric Chenander was asked how he feels his defense is playing right now
4: yeah I think anytime you, you don't uh, let the other team in the end zone that's that's a good thing um, you know once again we, we played good in some areas not as good in some um, we got a lot of improvement to do but I, I like where the the guys are at I like how they're working to and they're not they're not afraid to take criticism right now and even though they won not afraid to take criticism and try to get better.
2: You just feel this unit has come by leaps and bounds from where they were last year, and and this is a defense that people are going to have to deal with this year.
1: They believe in what they're doing. Yeah. you know anybody that's played a competitive sport, if you've got a coach preaching, this is how we're going, this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to do it, and until you've really seen it work, it's hard to follow that like gospel. Mm-hmm. And you know, fortunately, uh, things are starting to turn, and they're believing in what they're doing.
2: Believing, I think, begins with knowing what you're doing and just having another year to settle into it, I think, critical in that pursuit. And one area where this defense is doing a whole lot better is generating turnovers. They've picked off five passes this year. They've also recovered four fumbles. So nine takeaways in just three games. Eric Chenander was asked how he sees this team getting turnovers.
4: I think, you know, the guys are embracing the fact that that's important to our staff. Um, It's important to the defensive staff, also important to the offensive staff. Coach Frost talks about taking care of the football and getting turnovers. We talk about getting turnovers a lot. We drill it. Um, I think the guys are embracing that. So I'm happy that that's happening. I hope it keeps happening. I don't want to, you know, knock on wood. We don't talk about it too much in the the media here. And then all of a sudden it stops. But
2: um, that helps our football team tremendously. Especially the way this – operation runs offensively and defensively just get the ball back just take it away get an extra possession they've been able to do that this year
1: yeah they have and it's and we've seen the after effects of what happens when that happens Mm -hmm. good things happen when this offense gets the football
2: absolutely especially as they've settled in this year as Uh, young guys starting to settle into the defensive lineup for the huskers eric chenander was asked about letting some young guys onto the field
4: i think that was huge Um, you know probably it's the it's the fine line of um you know growing up as a football team when do you start subbing those guys out you know maybe if you're to the point where we'd like to be here, you know, down the road, you get those guys out earlier and let them go out with just a uh, a little bit smaller of a lead and go operate and do some things. But it was it was good to have the the ones finish a game off. It was good to get some of those young guys in there. Uh, obviously, Braxton Clark got a pick and that, that's good. He got a little taste, so now he's probably probably watching extra film now. Now that he got a little extra pick, but uh, it was, it's great to get those guys in there.
2: that's the benefit of not just winning a game but winning it decisively and when you've had so many down to the wire finishes like nebraska has in the last couple of years you can't develop depth so one of the one of the first ways to develop depth is get your backups your second teamers your third team guys out there so they get some game action under their belt yeah and, and and Sometimes
1: every once in a while you'll find a kid that is a gamer, right? May not be as consistent in practice, but you throw him in the game and he makes plays. Mm-hmm. So that's that's benefit of another hidden benefit of getting those
2: guys in there. So we continue along on our Jtech practice report. Eric Chenander was asked about this defense needing to be tested. The Oscars faced a decent Colorado team, but two uh, – Other non-conference foes that didn't have a whole lot to offer offensively. Eric Chenander was asked about the tests ahead for this defense.
4: I think they've embraced it. we haven't been truly tested yet. Um, you know, it's going to take one where we're up by 10 points or, or whatever in the fourth quarter, and we've got to stand up and stand tall and, and take that game over. I think that's when it's going to really happen once we get it done. So have I seen it? I, I've seen them talk about it, embrace it, but I haven't seen it on the field yet. So.
2: Just a part of the growth process of this team, going out, meeting a challenge, meeting a test, and being able to hold on to a narrow lead. We saw this team finish out in a blowout game last week. But now, especially as you get into conference, can you close it out when they're within 10, when they're within 7? Those are the tests still ahead for this Husker defense. Eric Chenander was asked about this defense making big plays. We talked about their ability to take the ball away. Eric Chenander was asked what this defense has changed in order to be in a better position to make big plays. Do we want to get down on the one? No,
4: absolutely not. But um, that's a huge play for a defense. That's a huge play to grow up, especially for some of those young guys. I mean, you had you know, Damian Daniels in there, and then Eli Sullivan gets put in the, the, the football game. Um, so not only is it is it big scheme-wise, is it big for our confidence, but also those guys see some players that are not quote unquote starters out there making big time plays. So just the, the trust in those guys, the confidence in those guys, the confidence that we can be put in any situation and get the job done. It was huge for our team.
2: He was talking about the goal line stand in the second half against Northern Illinois where Eli Sullivan batted the ball down on fourth and goal from the one. And that was an impressive moment for this defense. They, you know, the game was pretty well won. You, you felt good about where things were, and yet they showed great toughness to not just finish off the win but also finish it off without giving up anything.
1: What an incredibly athletic play that was by Sullivan. He go knifing through and making up ground off the line of scrimmage to go make that play, basically on the line of scrimmage with a straight flat route
2: to the sideline to get out there and knock that away. That's a big league play. It was a pretty impressive play. Eli Sullivan emerging in the Husker lineup and somebody we're going to see a good amount of, especially if if Cam Taylor-Britt, is down with an injury but we'll keep an eye on that in the early going of the game against illinois speaking of the fighting illini eric chenander gave a thumbnail of the illini offense
4: yeah I think um, you know obviously they've got a good scheme for quarterback run. The, the kid last year was a, was a really good football player. He could run the football almost a running back back there. I think the new quarterback they have is a little better at working the system. Um, he can pull it and be dangerous on the quarterback run but he also can get the ball distributed to where he needs to. So I think he's a little bit better in the past game than they had the previous year. Um, but they have a nice system. They have some difficult passes to defend, some difficult run concepts to defend and, and they make you uh, play rules really ball and get your eyes in the right spot at all times
2: talking about Brandon Peters the Michigan transfer quarterback who triggers this offense but the biggest weapon in the Illinois offense Reggie Corbin he's played in two of the three games averaging 90 rush yards a game and Eric Chenander was asked about Reggie Corbin
4: yeah I think he's um and I only I don't I don't I don't watch the teams that were not playing, so I haven't seen the film. But I know there's a couple other good running backs in the league, um, but I think he's right there with all of them. I mean, He's a really, really good football player. Um, he can cut on a dime. He's fast. He's hard to tackle. Uh, he can do a lot of things in the pass game, and they do a nice job of. When there is two backs in the backfield, not just getting him the football and making the other guy the back, but he'll go block willingly and, and, and lead block for the other guy too. Uh, so he, he poses some scheme issues, and he's a very, very talented young man.
2: The heartbeat of the Illinois offense, Reggie Corbin, and a guy this black shirt defense is going to have to have their eyes on on Saturday.
1: Kid's a good player. I mean, he's one of the few guys on your roster that go, "Yep, that guy's a player," mm-hmm. and uh, definitely someone you better be better be ready for on Saturday.
2: Absolutely. Huskers will have a close eye on him. And as they mentioned, Brandon Peters, experienced quarterback. He's mm-hmm. been around a while, now finally getting a shot at Illinois. Yeah.
1: Good stuff. There's our practice report today, brought to you by our friends at J Tech Construction.
5: Stanford is definitely one of the
1: best teams in the nation and they have a lot of experience and I think that it's going to be a great test
6: for us just to see where we are and how much we need to improve towards the end of the season. Pass by Fecky, Stevens for the set, out, Stanford's in the net, net violation, Stanford's in the net, set to Nebraska, 25-22, they head to the locker rooms. And up at one
7: setting. Stanford is the champs, and I'm just, you know, looking forward to the opportunity for our team to be able to play against them for us to see where we're at and how hard we have to compete and how clean a volleyball we have to play. If we want to play with the best. Six-one, Huskers in the fourth. Serve Kenzie. Overpass shot back by Stevens.
6: kaboom, Nebraska
7: 7. Stanford 1.
6: Here they come. We've been waiting for it basically all preseason, and we're excited, and it's finally here. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think we're all ready. We've been preparing, and it'll be a great test for us. Sort of goes to heads. High pass, joust to the net. Stifford wins. She blocks Jenna Gray. It's the Lawrence Stevens show on the floor. Nebraska 12, Stanford 3. Nebraska ball, the ball bump to the right. Jazz blocked back, but it's out. Point Huskers, Jazz three with a kill. Nebraska 17. Stanford, nine, tying the Huskers' largest lead of this fourth set.
1: It's going to be a big match, and I think there's a lot of hype around this match because of what happened last year, and we are three points away from being the national champions. So I think if we just go in and play Nebraska volleyball, we'll be successful.
6: Campbell Cross court, Beautiful take Fecky for the set. Fecky, she got it. 25-15. We're going to our fifth. We're going to set five. Hello, set number five for the title. Sends the serve. Pass made by fellow Kentucky left barrel. Kenzie center. Top Nickel heads. Lauren Cook get called. Hames ties it at seven.
1: We always talk about those three points. Those three points that we we lost by and. It's been a huge part of this team. There is that revenge factor there, but I feel like we can't let it affect us too much because that's when you get going and you have too much adrenaline and that's when you kind of get out of hand. So I think we just need to control that a little bit. Step
6: to the back row, swing McClure, championship point, Stanford, 15, 12.
7: I've talked to him all year long that it was three plays that was the difference. That haunts me, but it's motivated me to do a better job coaching. So if we're in that position again, we're going to make those plays and not let those things happen.
8: They're huge. I mean, the three
6: points are just the difference between the national championship. And that's been our motivation all summer and obviously all this preseason. Um, Just never forgetting that and those three points and just working to get better every day so that it won't happen again.
7: you got the number one, two teams, two teams that played for the national championship last year. It's here in Devaney. It's going to be in front of a big crowd. So this is what we want in college volleyball. I have it ingrained in my head last year what happens with Stanford. I know what we got to do.
6: Fun on a Tuesday night. Welcome back, Nebraska. Tuesdays from 7 till 8. Solder it in right now on the old schedule. Your Nebraska volleyball show presented by Sartor Heyman Jewelers, the official jeweler of the Huskers. There's John Cook. I'm John Baylor, your Nebraska volleyball show coach. Did you hear the jazz band down there? This hay market is buzzing. I did not. A lot of happy couples. Memo to the guy on a date, checking his phone. Don't do it. You could tell she was getting a little. The guy. They're on a date. They're at the table down. All these outdoor tables. Everyone's you know gazing at each other. This is something you observed. I observed on the way in. Oh okay. And you know I'm out there. I'm a field correspondent. You know people expect me to bring back good info, and this is good intel. Guy at a table downstairs with his date. He's checking his phone. She looked a little miffed. This could yeah. be the final date.
7: Is that because maybe he was checking his bets and he was losing? Or and she was mad about that? Or the thing you know, looked social a little, media or doing work?
6: The whole thing looked chilly. Okay. And that's not a good sign. Put away the phone and try the old conversational deal. I'm dating myself, but when I grew up, we used to uh, talk. Yeah. 866, do you recall like you and your buddies uh, oh, yeah. talking? Yeah, yeah. we
7: still do? You'd, Nice. Yeah. You, You've, here. Been over. You've been over. Yeah.
6: yeah so we yeah. chat. Like, there's yeah. audible sound. Talk.
7: talk for hours. Yeah. And
6: if you have an issue, you don't pick up the screen and start right. typing. Right. But, but you do like the screen, Coach. You can't completely condemn it. But it's helpful well, with your job.
7: Yeah, I've got to use it for my job. But I'm, I'm I enjoy it. When I go up to Wyoming and it doesn't work, I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> all right 866 Husker won Stanford
6: tomorrow night Wichita State on Saturday um, I don't the, the Huskers are not focused on Wichita State right now the shockers are three and six and at the moment but they play Creighton at Creighton Thursday night at Sokol Arena and then Wyoming 2 p.m matinee on Friday so maybe some Husker fans could go scout Wichita State are you going to send some coaches over to Creighton No, I don't,
7: I don't think we're allowed to do it. We'll, we'll get their Creighton match Thursday night. It's very so. unwise for a play-by-play announcer to potentially <laughs> cause his coach to You're reveal right. a violation. I'll probably get called into compliance tomorrow.
6: <laughs> Grand Island. J.J. and Grand Island. Beautiful Grand Island. Great to have you, J.J. You're on the Nebraska Volleyball Show.
5: Hey, thanks, Coach. Hey, yesterday in your news conference, you
0: mentioned that the Huskers weren't uh, invited back to the Vert Challenge, and uh, just wondered if you care to further comment on that.
7: Uh, my further comment would be, for some reason – Some of the teams, uh, well, we talked about coming up with this model of you always. So one of the things we didn't like about the vert was you only played home once every four years. So we played all these great teams, but they only played once in Lincoln on year four for us. So we talked to, I won't name what schools, uh, about creating this format where we'd always play a Wednesday and a Saturday that week. One would be at home, one would be on the road. And I thought we had it all worked out. Next thing I knew, they all pulled out, and we were left hanging. So I called uh, Stanford and um, said, hey, you guys want to start something? And then we got Louisville and Kentucky to join in. So the way it's going to work now is every year, on a Wednesday of this week, week four, we call it, we will play Stanford either home or away. And then on Saturday we'll either play Louisville or Kentucky, home or away. So uh, next year it starts, actually. So we go to Stanford, which means I think Louisville comes to us. The year after, Stanford will come here again, and then we'll go to Kentucky, I think. So after four years, we'll play Kentucky twice, Louisville twice, once home and away for each school, and we'll play Stanford twice. Twice there, twice here. Love it. Does it make any sense when you are making the trip to Lexington, or Louisville, to stick around and play
6: the next night at the other place because they're only about hour it, and a half apart? It, well, the problem is uh,
7: dates. No dates. We don't have enough dates. So you
6: only have a, a finite
7: number right. of dates. Non conference. Right. Yeah, we have so four weekends, and we you are allowed. We call it two points per weekend. So if you play, or so if you play two matches a week, there is your two points. So. Technically, get eight matches, and you're in conference. That rule needs to be reexamined because Baylor was here, and you couldn't play Baylor three weeks
6: ago in Lincoln, even though they're in the same building because of dates.
7: Yeah. Uh, So, John, the way uh, there is a proposal out, it hasn't passed. They tried it, it didn't pass, but what it would allow is – you still get the same number of dates and maybe increase by two so you don't have to they're trying to get away from playing two matches in one day. Oh, man. Because everybody's trying to play two matches in one day. Because of the lack we, of dates. Yeah. And so you try to get as many matches as you can. Some some tournaments play two matches on a Friday, two on a Saturday. It's nuts. Well, so we're the the proposal is if you spread it out those dates out over over, you know, time and and possibly add it, add two more dates, so you feel like you still get the same number of matches, but you don't have to play tw- two in one day. If that makes sense, I'm it not sure. Makes I'm making tons sense, but, of sense, especially yeah. if you're in the same area. Yeah. So why wouldn't you yeah. approve that? And and I'll tell you what, if it doesn't pass, this it'll be a, it'll be they'll say it's because of money. And you know, the NCAA is it, it talks out both sides of a mouth. It's, it talks about student athlete welfare. Okay, so why are we still playing two matches in one day? What other sports do that? Student athlete welfare would fix that. But then they'll say, well, it costs money. Because now you can't, you know, if you go to a, a place, you get to play two matches in one day. You get two for the price of one kind of. Well, now if you spread it out, it's another day a hotel, blah, blah, blah. So they talk out of both sides of their mouth. And then I, I hear this money thing, and then I just see where... You know, they extend basketball season. They started earlier now. They add two exhibitions for basketball. They, you know, we talk about in regionals, we'd like to have a day in between. Yes. And they say, well, it's a money thing. But the World Series goes on for two weeks. Yeah. They have rain delays. I mean, is anybody worried about money there? They play a two out of three. Well, I mean, why not just play one and get out?
6: And we're talking 20 hotel
7: rooms for one extra night? I know. Elite athletes yeah. have been
6: playing all each season.
7: Yeah, get get the NCAA on. Let's get them in on here next fire, next show and just get after let's it. it. fire this thing up. Yeah. I love it. Let's have some talk radio. Love, none of this. It's about time. We, you know, none <laughs> of this, this, this chit-chat. Sat- around yeah. let's have some real talk radio
6: no more saccharine talk radio. here we go here's jason yeah. and lincoln jason you're on with head coach a fired up head volleyball coach john cook
5: Hey, coach, good to hear you just uh fired up a little bit i'd like to get you fired up about that north side of the vanity parking lot that's so soupy and dusty and bumpy but that's another another topic for uh the athletic director but
7: yeah you call you call had. in call in bill we, at least we got lights out there now uh, in some of the parking lots so people aren't walking in the dark, you know. And
5: uh, Yeah, that's gotten better.
7: Yeah, there may be some change. There's a lot going to happen over there with uh, new hotel, uh, potential golf training facility, parking lots moving around. So hang good. in there, but keep, I would keep the heat on the AD. <laughs> and you can quote <laughs> no, me on good. that.
5: Yeah. <laughs> well, real quick, Coach, uh, we've had – <clears throat> have brought along some great athletes, elite players. It's hard to you know, kind of narrow it down to the upper, upper crust, but for a fan like myself and many others like the, the West, the Larsons, the Pavins, what have you noticed in your coaching that has been similar between those, like the ultra elite? And again, you know, in certain ways, other players maybe didn't have the accolades, but we're almost on their level too. I know it's hard to narrow it down, but certain certain players and certain uh, you know teams with certain kids can you know kind of rise to the top as far as what a fan might think of. What have you noticed uh, that makes a player like an elite elite level compared to your average high level you know star that we have so many of those at Nebraska through the years? I'll listen off the air. Thanks, Coach.
7: Okay, great question, and I got the answer for you. It's a simple answer. What I've noticed is those players that. That in the biggest moments, and you know, and they've all you know gone on to play professionally in Olympics. They have a deep sense of belief uh, in themselves and their team, and that never wavers. And so many kids today, I've seen, they've got all this hoopla, all these accolades, and but that sense of belief isn't really deep. And you know, Michaela Fecky was the last one to have it, who just graduated. I mean, her, her, I mean, she told me as a freshman we were going to win the national championship. I mean, that's, just think of that. And anyway, I, I, just, I just see those people you rattled off there. They have this tremendous sense of belief that they're going to win, they're going to be successful, they're going to do what they need to do, and that spreads to other players. And that's what we're trying to develop in our team right now. I've challenged our, our two captains. You've got to transfer this belief into our whole team uh, you know, and that's the challenge. And Mackenzie and uh, or, or Kenzie and Michaela did that to that last year's team and we always started four freshmen. So, I think that's the best answer I can give you and come up with. Did Kelly Hunter share that belief? Kelly Hunter is one of the all-time best. Yeah, and she's
6: and, with you now. She's yep. a grad
7: assistant. Is she
6: sharing that somehow? Is it, or is that something you can share? Or you, or you can develop it on your own?
7: Yeah, she um, she's still feeling her way, uh, but I have her talk to certain players. Uh, you know, we have to be careful because she's a grad manager, but she can talk to them off the court. And I have her talk to certain players uh, about, you know, getting their that belief going and what they're, you know, believing in themselves because, you know, we all doubt ourselves under pressure and performance. Uh, and and so she's got a gift with it. Which, but, she yes, yeah, she's one of the best all-time. What instills that belief? Practice? That's a great question. I, I don't, uh, you know, I'll use Kelsey Robinson. Well, let's use Kelly. Kelly and Kel- Kelsey Robinson would be two great examples. So both of them, uh, Kelsey didn't come here because she didn't think she was good enough. So she goes to Tennessee. She's hurt, puts on weight, just how ha- you know, she's pretty good. She gets a million sets at Tennessee because they really don't have anybody else. And of course, her senior year, she comes here, makes all these changes. Vertical goes up. And she just believed she was gonna. Be, she was, you know, she was, she thought she was the best player in the gym. It didn't matter who we were playing. And now she's taken that belief to an Olympics, getting ready for another Olympics. She's playing in the top pro league in the in the world in Turkey. Uh, won world championships in her club team. So, and then Kelly, same thing. Kelly's freshman year, I almost kicked her off the team. Uh, and then her sophomore year, I I redshirted her because she was better than Mary Paul Miller as a setter. But she wasn't mature enough to lead the team, and Mary was a very mature leader. So it took her two years to figure that out, and then she was awesome.
6: 866-HUSKER-1, that's 866-487-5371. We welcome Sartor Heyman Jewelers as the official jeweler of Husker Athletics. Through the end of September, spend a minimum of $2,500 at Sartor Heyman and receive a free Traeger Grill. See stores for details. Sarter Hammond Jewelers, where Nebraska gets engaged. More Nebraska Volleyball Show after you hear this. Welcome back. This is your Nebraska Volleyball Show, presented by Sarter Hammond Jewelers, where Nebraska gets engaged. Also want to promote Conversation with the Cooks, the new podcast, hosted by Lauren Cook, the star of the show's our guest tonight, John Cook, your 20-year head coach. Of Nebraska volleyball, let's do a little chalk talk. Okay, Stanford, Catherine Plummer on the outside, three-time first-team All-American, two-time National Player of the Year. We don't want to give them any uh, bulletin board material, but some folks around here think Michaela would have been a, a fine choice. But she is an absolute stud, and she's going to be attacking at times, perhaps over five ten Nicklin Hames. All right, question number one: Is Nicklin five ten? If she stands up straight, okay. So Catherine Plummer, I think is a legit six six. Yeah. And that's you know volleyball heights can be a little fuzzy. I think she's legit, just like across the way, Adriana Fitzmorris is a legit six six. Well anyway, yeah. so that's one challenge you got. Let's just go over to Fitzmorris on the right side. How strong are our left sides at blocking a six six right side?
7: Very strong. So we just got technically we've got to be good and be in the right spots and we'll do a good job. But uh, you know, and the final four we had jazz matched up on plumber most of the time and you know we did a good job on her but the problem is they've got another six five kid that is hitting left side a kit kendall Kip, who's a freshman so um we'll have matchup issues there but everybody has matchup issues i mean uh minnesota has a small setter penn state has a sm- way smaller setter than both us in minnesota so um Nicklin can touch balls, she can slow balls down, and we've got to get our diggers in the right spot. Uh, and, uh, but there's going to be a few times that those guys will go over our block or around our block and hit some nice shots.
6: Is Stanford running a Texas-Penn State-like offense a little slower, high sets? No,
7: they're going fast. Mm. They're going really fast. Because they got the so, passers to do it
6: and the setter to do it.
7: Well, they got a setter to do it. And now the question is, you know, does that make them better? You know, if they went, so I don't know, but I'm not coaching Stanford. So, uh, but they're trying to go really fast.
6: 866 Husker 1, 866 487 5371. Is there any, uh, should we be cautioned to not make too much of a match this earlier in the season? This is a long journey. Uh, Stanford's part of this volleyball. Um, uh, a traveling band because they're not in school yet. So they're going to Penn State. They're seeing most of the country, and uh, you know Nebraska's been in school for three weeks. No seniors. It's, will things presumably be fairly different two months from now for for every team in
7: the country? Well, I think I, I certainly hope. Uh, you know, last year we, I mean, how many matches did we lose? You know, and we were three points away from mm-hmm. winning the whole thing. So we're not trying to win September right now. We are. We are a work in progress, especially with this year's team, and we're trying to play with some more freshmen. So we're relatively young, but you know that's that's not an excuse. But I think uh, the way we train, we're we're not trying to we're trying to prepare for the Big Ten. That's our goal because the Big Ten now we're playing for something. This match, I'm, I love that it's a big match because our players need to feel that they need to feel that there's hype. There's something more special about this even though we treat every match the same. We prepare for, it doesn't matter whether we are playing High Point or Stanford, we're preparing the same, we go through the same routines, we, we train the same during the week, we don't change anything, you know, how much time we put in and, and uh, how much of a break we give them. Um, so for us, it's routine. Uh, you guys make all more hype out of it, but, you know, naturally that's, that's going to carry over and, and our, our players, returning players, um you know our freshmen may not even know where stanford is <laughs> they, don't, they don't know who katherine Plummer is maybe i don't know
6: let's hope they're not trying to buy real estate near stanford yeah
7: yeah um but a bottom line is we need to be in a a, a a match that uh is on tv it's a big match against the national champion defending national champions
6: randy great to have you on the nebraska volleyball show hello randy
5: hi guys hey quick question coach um You know, through the years we've seen kids like uh, Nancy Metcalf, Michaela Pecky, come out of smaller schools. How do you find those kids? Do you see them in camps? Is it word of mouth, other coaches? And how many kids do you have that are stars in high school and then come to, like, Nebraska and just don't pan out? Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks.
7: Yeah, that's such a a random question. I I think all of the above is how we find out about them. sometimes it's in camp, sometimes it's in club. We go and look at all the small clubs. We kind of, like football does, we draw a 500-mile radius around Lincoln and like, okay, who are the best kids? I don't care where they're from. And we always look at Iowa, Colorado, Nebraska, South Dakota, uh, Kansas City, and Missouri. So we start and really scour those areas looking for talent, and then sometimes somebody will say something to us. Sometimes we randomly find them, but... They they all play club now, so it's pretty easy to go to the club tournaments and spot them, or talk to coaches, and they say, "Hey, here's a here's a player we think that might develop for Nebraska." So that's how we find them. And you know the the interesting thing is is that uh, in Nebraska, a lot of, most of the players here play multiple sports, so they may be a little bit later developing in volleyball because they're they're missing all these volleyball tournaments in club because they're playing basketball and they're doing track. Which we love it, but look at all of our best players: Kelly Hunter, the Rolfsons, uh, Weston, um, Christina Hotelling, Christina Hotelling. They're all multiple sport all year round, playing for the, play club when they can, and but the ones that really develop. Danny Busboom. Danny Busboom was the, you know she was the first girl I saw hit a true jump shot. I mean, she actually went down like a guy would jump and shoot. Most girls, you know, just stay on the ground. A lot, a lot of them still do, but um, so just anyway. They developed as athletes, which I think is really, really important as opposed to just playing volleyball.
6: It's too bad those small-town kids aren't better hidden because in the old days, you know, Mandy Monson was hidden in Wallace. Uh, Kim B. was well-known nationally. Kim Barron's out there in chapel. But you know, sometimes Christina Hotelling was hidden oh, out nobody, there in Cambridge. Nobody, no one we We're
7: the only school to offer that I know. I think Hastings maybe or. But now they uh, play club
6: and they get, they get yeah, seen by lots yeah, of. Schools. She
7: got some basketball offers, but no volleyball.
6: Eight six six Husker one more Nebraska volleyball show, and we continue. Third hour of sports nightly on the air,
1: or so we're told. Big thank you to head volleyball coach John Cook and the voice of Husker Volleyball, John Baylor, for hosting last hour. Decently sized matchup tomorrow night at Devaney, Huskers and Cardinal. Game of high importance, match of high importance. And that's why we had people of high importance in here telling you about it. And they're like, you know what, Ben and Nate, you could probably get through an hour
2: hosting a volleyball show
1: but we're going to bring in the experts to do that.
2: We've got higher artillery coming in for this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they did not not need the BP pitchers (laughs) uh, in there for this one. Well, coming up here in just a second, Top 10 Tuesday. I don't know what we're calling this. Top 10 backup quarterback performances, careers. uh, It's all all within the criteria tonight. This could could get interesting, but – uh, we're trying to fit in the realm of what's happening right now in the National Football League with Andrew Luck retiring, Ben Roethlisberger getting hurt, Drew Brees getting hurt, it, Trevor Simeon going down, Sam Darnold getting mono. It's a tough time to it, I be I mean, a starting I mean, Paxton quarterback. Lynch had his phone get a workout this week, <laughs> and he is now employed again. So good for that guy. Good for that guy indeed. We'll talk with Colin Miller, Nebraska inside linebacker, here this hour as well, and we'll play Big Red Replay before we sign off tonight. 866 husker won the number, 866-487-5371, the number, to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's fire up the top ten.
7: We think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on
4: Sports Nightly.
1: All right, well, we kind of outlined it already. Where we're going with this. Um
2: Pretty difficult. Really? I thought I thought it was tougher to rank them because yeah, I, we we intentionally kept the criteria kind open. of nebulous just because we're just talking we're not setting the order of the world here but uh what what constitutes being a great backup quarterback is it one astonishing performance is it keeping a championship season on track is it taking over a team not just for a championship season but several championship seasons
1: yeah so i mean we're gonna we're gonna touch all the ends of the spectrum here tonight we're we're gonna say hi to austin Hi, Austin. Hi, Nate. Hi, Ben. Hi. Welcome to Top Thank Ten you. Tuesday.
8: Um, kind of a group effort forming this one today. Austin, why don't you why don't you bat first tonight? Don't mind if I do. Starting at number 10 here, we got the quarterback for America's team back in 1971. Roger Staubach had a weird situation where he and Craig Morton would rotate every other play. <laughs> not not series, but every other play that came to a screeching halt after a 4-3 to loss to the Bears with seven turnovers. In week seven of the 71 season, Staubach named the starter after that. Cowboys, all they do is go 7-0, win the Super Bowl. Staubach wins MVP and Super Bowl MVP. Heroic. Run by Roger Staubach. Did it for
2: America's team, and we just all love the Cowboys. Uh, Don't we all? Uh, Speaking of America's team, my number 10, Mike Livingston of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Of course, everybody knows Len Dawson, the legendary quarterback of the Chiefs. And uh, the Chiefs were getting ready for the 69 season, picked as one of the favorites in the AFL in its final year. And in the second game of the year, Len Dawson suffers a knee injury that many expected would end his season. But Dawson shopped around, asked other trainers, and they sat him out for a while and he rehabbed. Meanwhile, Mike... Livingston was waiting in the wings there was actually a second quarterback Jackie Lee that got hurt in week three so Livingston was the number three quarterback for the Chiefs that year Livingston QB'd the Chiefs to five wins it was a great defensive team had great parts around him and then that kept the Chiefs on track for their lone Super Bowl championship to this point
1: needs to change yeah please believe it will Please and thank you. All right, my number 10 is he's still living his dream. He's living his California dream. I'm going Jimmy Garoppolo at number 10. If Tom Brady hadn't ever deflated footballs, Jimmy Garoppolo might not be a $137 million NFL quarterback. But he falls in. I mean, you could have put any Patriots back up here, right? Matt Castle. Mm. uh, They all would have fallen in line. But Jimmy G goes out and beats Arizona. In game one of the season, and a year and a half later, pockets 137 mil. Dalla-dalla bills from the San Francisco 49ers.
2: I, I feel robbed hearing the name Matt Castle. At least I <laughs> booed him at that Futures or the uh, Celebrity Softball game in Kansas City in
8: 2012. I was not tempted to put good old Jimmy GQ on my list, but he probably doesn't make 137 million not backing up Tom Brady. Bah. Speaking of Patriots backups, though, that's where I have my number nine. Tom Brady, former Patriots backup, replaced Drew Bledsoe when Bledsoe got hurt in week two. Now, Brady wasn't great, which is why he's a little further down here. 18 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. But the Patriots did win the Super Bowl. They beat the Rams, who are pretty heavily favored. The tuck rule game was in that playoff run as well. So Tom Brady's 2001 season, my number nine. It's crazy
2: to think how off the radar he was.
8: Yeah, fourth string quarterback going
2: in to his – rookie year. Just just a guy on that Patriots roster. Bledsoe is the guy who really stabilized that franchise in the 90s, and then Bledsoe goes down, and all Tom Brady does is have arguably one of the greatest careers as a uh, professional quarterback. My number nine, we're going to college. We're going Florida Gators 2006 Tim Tebow, and Chris Leak, of course, was the starting quarterback for that Gator team, but Urban Meyer and his infinite offensive innovation had a package of plays for Tim Tebow and found a way to use him and found a way to break him in for the Gators so that Florida would be a national championship contender the three years following. And uh, it was a good way to get Tebow involved and, and really help the rest of his career. Chris leak. There's a name I hadn't heard of in about seven minutes. <laughs> um,
1: All right, I'm going from one SEC quarterback to another, but not his days in college, his days as a professional. Matt Flynn in 2012 for the Green Bay Packers on January 1st, substitutes for Aaron Rodgers, throws 480 yards and six touchdowns against the Detroit Lions in his spot start and falling in the Jimmy G line, then proceeds to make $27 million from Seattle and was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that one game um, was good for the Flynn household, and, I, and that's probably the first time Matt Flynn's name's been brought up in, in a couple of years.
2: And, and probably the last time it's going to come up in yes. a couple of years.
8: Not for the last time in a couple of seconds. Matt Flynn, my number ah. eight, he played all wow. of three games in Seattle, and those six touchdown passes were the only touchdowns he threw in Green Bay that season. Also more than a third of his career total in the NFL. That's my crazy. Goodness. Ugly. Just just ugly. All right. My
2: number eight, former Husker, Vince Ferragamo. He was the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. He started the year as a backup behind Pat Hayden, uh, and then Pat Hayden broke his finger up at Seattle at the Kingdome. Ferragamo took over as the starting quarterback. Uh, the Rams lost the next week, but then Ferragamo guided the Rams – through to a 9-7 and record in the regular season, led him to a win at Dallas, first round of the playoffs, then they beat Tampa in the NFC title game, and then he had a decent Super Bowl against the Steelers, 15 for 25, 212 yards, though the Rams lost. Oh,
1: boy. Alright, my number eight is only on here because of the Chris Berman pun he used to use with his name all the time. Daylight coming, you gotta Del Ohm. Ah. Jake DeLome <laughs> from the Carolina Panthers in 2003 comes in down 17 to the year before they were 1-15. He comes into the game the next year down 17 nothing to Jacksonville. The, the, the cardiac cats, as they called them, the Panthers mm. all made it all the way to the Super Bowl that year to lose to New mm-hmm. England. But Jake DeLome in 2003 for Carolina.
2: Chris Berman back to work on NFL primetime. How about that?
8: You'd love to see it, Good I think. Good for them. Good for guy. <laughs> back, 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 back <laughs> to you, Austin. All oh. right. Number seven, this guy ain't go to school to play school. He came to school to end up at number seven on my top ten list. Cardale Jones, Ohio State 2014, takes over after JT Barrett breaks his ankle against Michigan. Jones didn't have to do a whole lot the rest of the game, mostly just turn around and not triple handing off to Zeke Elliott. But the last three games of the year were the Big Ten Championship, college football semis, and college football playoff finals. Went 54 for 89, 830 yards, seven touchdowns, also ran for 300 yards. Really solid performance for the second string you're filling in that late in the year. Nice. Also, shout out Joe Bowserman in the spot.
2: Oh, Joe right. Bowserman. I hope he comes to the game uh, next Saturday. I really do. He should.
8: <laughs> yeah, why not?
2: <laughs> it would be a nice sign for us all. Uh, My number seven, and this is maybe the most isolated one because most of my guys are like season long, took over, helped them win a championship, whatever. Frank Reich, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills in 1992. uh, Jim Kelly was their starting quarterback, hurt his knee in the regular season finale against Houston, and the Oilers won it by 24. So then Reich got the start in the wild card round against the Oilers. And Houston raced out to a 35-3 lead. And Reich led the Bills back. Four touchdown passes, 289 yards. Buffalo won that one and ended up winning the AFC championship before losing in the Super Bowl. So Frank Reich, my number seven.
1: Very good. My number seven aligns with Austin Cardale Jones, 2014. We don't like school here now.
8: No, I didn't <laughs> come here to play school. <laughs> All right, number six, uh, I have Earl Morale. He did the feat of incredible backupping, backing up twice. He backed up Johnny Unitas in 1968. After Unitas got hurt, Morale led the Colts to Super Bowl III and won NFL MVP. More importantly, he is most known for leading the Miami Dolphins to the last part of their perfect season back in 1972. Bob Greasy gets hurt week five, Earl Morale, Comes in didn't do a whole lot, nothing entirely notable, but this looks better in retrospect. And like you guys were saying in hour one, I hope Miami goes zero and sixteen, so they can be the only franchise to have both a sixteen and zero and an zero and sixteen.
2: That that that's something you can hang on the mantle as a franchise. Yeah, it's in play. Yeah, dare to dream. Uh, my number six, Jeff Hostetler, the quarterback for the Giants in nineteen ninety. Bill Sims went down with a foot injury with two games to go in the regular season. Hostetler stepped in, led the Giants to wins in the last two games of the regular season. Then went out to San Francisco, beat the Niners in the NFC title game. And then it was 20 for 32 with a touchdown and 222 yards as the Giants beat the Bills in Super Bowl 25 in Tampa.
4: Yeah.
2: Um my
1: number what are we on six here yes i'm homer in it my number six i'm going brook berringer from nebraska at uh, at number six of course uh an icon around here you know mm-hmm. and not just because of the tragedy but uh he was one of the most beloved huskers of all time and the work he did in 94 coming in a little bit in 95 a lot of admiration for him and a lot of admiration for his former teammates so i've got brookie here at number six
2: just the humility. I, and 94, it was incredible that he stepped in and was so good and kept that team on track. How about 95, accepting the fact that he was going to be a backup, mm-hmm. not tearing that team apart, and just simply quietly doing his job. Just just a remarkable
8: person taken too soon. Thanks, you two, for doing my job. Burke Berenger is my number five. Ah, there you go. Um, My number five, Tua
2: Tonga-Vailoa in uh, 15 for Bama. Jalen Hurts was the starter that year. Hurts had a bad national championship game in the first half, and so they went to the bullpen with Tua. He had a great second half, threw for three touchdowns, including the game-winner to Devontae Smith. So Tua Tonga-Vailoa, my number five. Very good. My number five, I'm going to –
1: Austin, I think you had him right. Earl Morale, number five. You had your that yeah. Earlier? He was my six. Yeah, you're six. Uh, so that's my five. The seventy-two Dolphins. You win eleven straight games off the bench and only undefeated team. As much as I don't, I don't really have an opinion on the Dolphins. But the seventy-two Dolphins are just annoying. Yeah. So yeah, he's he did make the list though. <laughs>
8: number four for me was just mentioned i got to a tag of Iloa right here taking a 16 yard sack and then throwing a 41 yard touchdown pass is quite the chutzpah out of a freshman but props yeah all right
2: uh you guys both mentioned brick Beringer. this is where i've got brooke number 18 is at number four on my list
1: right love it
2: my number four i'm going uh,
1: i'm going jim plunkett here at number four uh obviously an icon won two Super Bowls technically as a backup Stanford grad mm-hmm. Jim Plunkett met Jim Plunkett once
2: no kidding yeah got his autograph on one of your Heisman footballs right that's correct oh wow there you I go I don't
1: think Jim Plunkett was overly thrilled to meet me <laughs> and I don't know if it's an indictment <laughs> on uh, him his mood that day or well where did knowing you I was, it was at an autograph show or oh, something okay. I think or something and I you mean know, he, his arm was in a sling, so I don't know if he had just had another surgery or, or what his deal was, but maybe he knew I was a Chiefs fan. Uh, maybe knew, knew, somehow knew I wasn't a fan of Stanford or something, but <laughs> I got the job done. That's all that matters. Yeah.
8: I stick with a former Pac-12 quarterback here at my number three. I've got Nick Foles. He did the feats of backing up multiple times as well. 2013 replaces Michael Vick, has a six-touchdown game, also a just ludicrous 27-touchdown-to-two-interception ratio that year, but better known, of course, for the 2017 playoff run. NFC Championship game throws through 350 yards, four scores, Super Bowl, 373 yards, three touchdowns, and, of course, the legendary Philly special to help ice the game. Nick Foles, my number three. A little embarrassed I forgot Mr. Foles on my list. I'll have to wear a little egg on my face
2: the rest of the night. Uh, Sticking with Super Bowl champions, my number three is Kurt Warner with the St. Louis Rams stepped in when the presumed starter, Trent Green, got hurt, blew out his knee in preseason. Marshall Folk missed a block. Trent Green got hurt, and Kurt Warner stepped in and triggered the greatest show on turf and led the Rams to a Super Bowl title and led them to another NFC championship.
1: Yeah, man, uh, that's incredible. I mean, it's one of the most incredible, <laughs> honestly, one of the most incredible player stories
2: to from rags to riches as you could get. Right. You know, grocery store clerk, arena football quarterback, just unbelievable. Yeah. My number three has been
1: mentioned by both of you. I got Tua Tagovailoa here in 18. To be put in at halftime, I mean, come oh, yeah. on.
2: <laughs> National title yeah. game. You've yeah, only I mean, had some mop-up time, and he was only a freshman. Yeah. Crazy.
8: Not bad. Not bad at all. Also not bad it was Nate's number seven, my number two. Probably homering this a little bit. Frank Reich, Buffalo Bills, 1993 AFC wildcard game. Uh, biggest comeback in NFL history. Frank Reich now, of course, piloting the soon-to-be-greatest backup turn starter in NFL history, Jacoby Brissett. Questionable. Highly questionable. I, I talk from my heart. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, my number two, you
2: guys both had him. Earl Morrill took over as the starting quarterback week five for the 72 Dolphins, quarterback the rest of the regular season, struggled in the AFC title game against Pittsburgh, and Bob Greasy took back the mantle. But Earl Morrill, the guy who quarterbacked most of the undefeated season in 72.
1: Yeah, crazy. Uh, Nate, uh, you just talked about my number two. I've got Kurt Warner here. Um 29 years old when Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I mean, think about that now. Like this day and age in the NFL, we're so worried about how young a guy is, right? Uh-huh. Like when Brock Osweiler was coming out of ASU, it's like, well, this dude, and Brandon Whedon. Oh yeah, this dude's 27. I mean, he's not gonna be. It like,
2: dude was 29. Right back then, you know. Especially the quarterback position. I mean, it's not wide receiver where you're sprinting. It's your mind. It, it's it's decision making it's leadership it's not how fast can you run give them time all right capping off my list Cade Warner's dad that's awesome how about that uh my number one Austin you had him at nine say it somewhat under protest Tom Brady but hey it's incredible you think of that Patriots franchise kind of fluked their way to two Super Bowls before and now they're the best franchise in the NFL all because Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Why?
1: <laughs> my number one's Tom Brady, too. All right, that's it for uh, Top Ten Tuesday. I don't want to <laughs> talk about Tom Brady anymore. Thankfully, Tim's not here. Oh, Lord. Because this could have been just miserable. Oh, yeah. We- I could tell you my list w- would have been different had he been here.
2: <laughs> I might have slipped Fools in there right. just to
1: slate I him. Found, I mean, I, I could have put my backup quarterback days. <laughs> I would put my backup quarterback days in there instead. Uh, Slip Matt Terman in there for handing yeah.
2: off to Lawrence Phillips at yeah. K-State. Yeah. Anybody but Brady. Right. If Tim was here, but we don't have to deal
1: with that. And knowing Tim like I do, I know he's not listening tonight. <laughs> so uh, we, we could get away with it. All right. That's it. Top 10 Tuesday. Backup quarterback performances. Backup quarterbacks
2: here on Sports Nightly. Nate Rohr and Ben McLaughlin back with you on a Tuesday night edition of Sports Nightly. Is It's Illinois week. We're getting ready for the first Big Ten game of the year. And one of the guys ready to strap it up for the Husker defense. As we begin Big Ten play is Colin Miller, the junior linebacker out of Fishers, Indiana. So far this year, he has 15 tackles, including a tackle for loss in all three games, and he was a part of that great defensive effort on Saturday against Northern Illinois, and I had a chance to chat with him earlier this week, and I started the conversation by asking him, how did he grade up the performance of the defense against
3: Northern Illinois? Yeah, you know, we look back on that tape this morning, you know, and uh, Coach Chins, you know, he gave us a, a lot of compliments here and there. But, you know, we always want a perfect game. You know, we had three couple plays that we wish we can get back and take back. You know, that they kind of broke free a little bit on us. So, um, you know, yeah, we had a good game, but yet we still want those three plays back and we're always looking for perfection. Like we're always looking to be better. We always want more. So... DBs played a heck of a game, D-line played a heck of a game, um, linebackers played a heck of a game, but, you know, I think there's a, always a place, you know, that you think you can perfect your craft and work harder, so I think we're always looking for something else to work on.
2: Uh, he, after that Colorado game, uh, Coach Frost called that almost a wake-up call for you guys and that uh, you faced a team that, that was able to beat you as the game went along. Uh How did you feel after that game, and and how did you feel that week of practice went for you as you tried to respond to that first loss?
3: Yeah, so, I mean... Everyone talks about, you know, we played the best three and a half quarters that they've seen Nebraska football play in a long time, but um, just not being able to finish them off, you know, having them up on the ropes, not being able to put them down is something that I think got to everybody, something that made everybody kind of, you know, cringe a little bit coming into the locker room. Um, You know, I think the leaders did a good job of getting the defense together, getting the offense together, and just making sure that, like, you know, this is where the season starts. Like, this is going to make or break our season. Like, this is going to show the type of team that we are. So... I think truthfully, you know, we came out this, well, previous week against Northern Illinois and wanted something to prove, wanted to show, you know, that we had a little uh, flop at the fourth quarter, that, that wasn't who we were, you know. We came out itching to get back onto the field, itching to put the helmet on, itching to get ready for Northern Illinois just to show everybody, prove to ourselves that, you know, we, maybe we had a little fluke, but that's not who we were, and we wanted to prove that this past week.
2: You guys come out and beat Northern Illinois, and really, but for that Colorado fourth quarter, this has been a tough team defensively. And that's after last year when, especially at the start of the season, it seemed uh, like you guys were still settling into the defense. How much more confident is this defense three games into this season
3: as opposed to three games into last year? Yeah, I think everybody kind of trusts one another. You know, the DBs trust that the D line are going to get home if the D line um, is making their moves and going to get there. So the DBs are thinking, you know what, just hold my coverage for a little longer and the defensive line is going to get there. Where the linebackers are trusting that the DBs are going to pick up on their routes or communicate well. You know, I think everybody knows this defense 100% right now that we can move fast, we can move smoothly where, you know, there's no questions out there, there's no mistakes that people are questioning should I do this or do that. I think everybody. Knows everyone's assignment. Everybody knows that everyone can trust one another. Everyone knows that, you know, that this defensive coaching staff isn't going to just get on you if you make a, a, a bust or a mistake or anything like that. So, it, like Frost always says, desire to fail, no fear, desire to excel, no fear of failure. So, you know, I think uh, just doing that means you can go 100% every time, knowing that if you make a mistake, it's next play, next play, next play, next play. So, if you can go 100%, you know, and you can ball out with your brothers at right and left, Left, you, you're going to be pretty well. Because, I mean, if you get tired out there, you just tap your head and the new person comes in that knows their assignment, knows their role, knows that he can trust the people left and right to him. So that's why I think, you know, we, we, we've been pretty good. Um, second season, knowing the defense, people can trust one another, got the culture going, um, just having fun out there. And you talk
2: about knowing the defense and we're chatting with Husker inside linebacker Colin Miller. Uh, You have a defined spot in this defense as an inside guy as opposed to earlier in your career when you were kind of in between. You'd play some outside, you'd play some inside. How much do you think it's helped develop your game that you have a more clearly defined role and and you know where you're going to be
3: week in, week out? Yeah, definitely think that, you know, um, not as smooth as a transition from that some, some people can make, but, you know, I think I'm here now. You know, I think inside linebacker is my position. You know, I think that's the best one. Being in the middle closer to the ball, being able to use my speed, like uh, horizontally left and right um, is just awesome. You know, I, I I do love that I came from outside because now I know the outside position. I know what, you know, the Buck and the Sam linebacker are doing. Um, I know how to use my hands really well. I know how to take on a tackle or a guard really well so I mean a lot of great things came out of outside but you know learning from Coach Rude learning from you know um, Coach Bremer our GA coach they do a tremendous job of you know helping me transfer over from outside to inside you know of working on my feet working on my hands working on my eye control and everything like that just to perfect my craft um, I definitely think you know having inside linebacker a year or two has been a tremendous difference for me. Um I feel like I'm I'm moving quicker out there. I'm not guessing myself. Um just basically just playing for fun out there instead of, you know, running around with a chicken with his head cut off, just hoping that he's doing something right. You know, I know exactly what I'm doing now. Um, I feel like my brother's the left and right of me, can trust me. Um, being next to Mo Barry as well, you know, he's, he's guiding you along. He's telling you what you can and can't do. You know, he's teaching you the ropes. He, you watch film with him, you know, he breaks down film and, you know, tendencies and all that stuff. So help, being with him, he you know, he he makes it much easier
2: as well. You talk about Muhammad Berry being next to you, and of course, he's in an official position of leadership as a captain. And even last year, before he had that, he was a pretty big vocal leader for this defense. What what does he bring to
3: the table, and what has he brought out in your game? Yeah, you know, every day, I think everybody here on this team, um, how many other guys we have on this team, know that Muhammad Berry is going to be the first one in and the last one out. You know. Um, no matter what it is. It may be, you know, he's studying film real late or he's working on his body, making sure that he's ready to go for Saturday or anything. But, you know, he's going to be the last guy out because he loves the game. He loves Nebraska football. He loves, you know, the university, the people around here. He loves everything about it. So he wants to give everything to it. So, you know, just being next to Muhammad, you know, and following him and seeing how he does it, um, great man, great, you know kid, great student, great athlete, just one person that you know you look up to. Um, so just being in the film room with him, listening to him, not you know just listening to how he teaches himself, but also as he teaches himself, he's teaching everyone along with him. So I mean, I think he's a tremendous you know, Um, captain vote. I think the team rallies around him. I think the team looks up to him. I think the team knows that he's in the best um, interest for everyone here, that he wants the best for everybody. So if you can just trust him that he's going to lead us the right way, then you can just follow along Muhammad because he knows what it takes and he wants this place to succeed just like everybody else.
2: And finally, getting ready to play Illinois in the Big Ten opener, Uh, obviously every game matters to you and every game's important and getting ready for every game's important, but does it ramp up for you all the more opening up Big Ten play knowing that this is the first step towards some of
3: the big goals this team has? Yeah, you know, so we, we've been preaching, you know, all offseason. As soon as we lost against Iowa, you know it's next year, next year, next year. You know, we've always been preaching, you know, focus on next year. Like, what are we going to do? What's it going to take to be better next year, you know? Um and now it's here. You know, I mean we we obviously had our our games before, but this is what it matters, you know. We always been preaching that we want we want it all. So, I mean it starts right here, zero zero going in the conference, you know, Illinois, good team, great coach, everything like that, good quarterback, good players all around. Um, but this is where what we've been wanting, you know. We we when you start running in the weight room or and you start going out to the field and, you know, you're working your tail off trying to get better, get stronger, get faster, get everything ready for the season just to go up against the Big Ten. You know, this is when it starts. So I think, you know, you, get, you, got, a little, you got a little itch coming in on Saturday, wanting to get there, ready to go just to prove ourselves that, you know, we're not the same team that we were last year, that, you know, um, we're here, we're Nebraska, we're ready to prove ourselves. So I think, you know, Big Ten, we'll, we'll, we're ready to show everybody what we can bring.
2: Excited to see how you guys stack up. Good luck in the, uh, in the Big Ten this year. Thank you. Really important part of this Husker defense, those inside linebackers are going to be tested during Big Ten play. As as many big teams, running teams as Nebraska faces, uh, those guys are in for a heavy workload, but you feel like they're able to, to handle it. You've got three really good ones in, in Honus, in Barry, and now in Colin Miller.
1: Nate, did you catch Mike Leach today? He was talking about in his in his press conference. He was asked if all of the Pac-12 mascots were going to battle it out. Who would come out on top?
2: Okay, I saw something on the Twitter about this, but I didn't actually see the rant.
1: It it was absolutely phenomenal. Boys, pull it up on Twitter real quick and see if we can find it before before the end of the show. Um, let me know. Let me know if we get it. Not a not a huge not a huge deal. knowing
2: Mike Leach. I can um, only imagine where this goes.
1: It, it it's phenomenal. So he starts breaking down right <laughs> every single mascot off the rip off the top of the head, <laughs> and you know it's really it's really quite phenomenal. Um, <laughs> his ability to just pull these mascots out and he's he, he his site analysis of like what a Trojan would do to a cougar, you know, what 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 the duck would do, or the buffalo. Um it, it's okay, play it real quick for us, Brett. First of all,
0: what kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? We gotta consider that. I'm gonna say the wildcat's out. Uh the Trojan, is he does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Or it's unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something, I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. The beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? did he trade for a rifle i mean you know because if that you has got a rifle there's some definite problems you know you'd have to get one of those harry potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh outside stuff there Just as far as a beast alone uh a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with i mean a, bu- a buffalo's d- utterly outstanding did i leave any of them out the kugel find a way uh clear-minded and crafty a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh and attack when you get your uh your chances or your openings
1: what a better well no better way to finish (laughs) the show than that just an absolute breakdown of everything that's it for us tonight thanks to everybody for joining us thanks to john cook john baylor colin miller thanks for sitting in man appreciate it
2: enjoyed it thanks for having me
1: thanks to brett Whitty. Thanks to Austin Orman. Thanks to all you for listening. Shortened Sports Nightly tomorrow. Husker Volleyball on the air against Stanford to follow. We'll have a full show again on Thursday. Have a great night.